welcome to Audiobookish. This is an audiobook review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman. I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And this is the third and final of our British Book Awards specials. And we're going to be discussing The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien and The Sandman Act 2 by Neil Gaiman. We're going to be starting off with The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Poppy, do you want to read out the blurb for that? Yes, so. These brand new, unabridged audiobooks of J.R.R. Tolkien's epic adventure, The Lord of the Rings, are read by the BAFTA award-winning actor, director and author Andy Serkis. Sauron, the Dark Lord, has gathered to him all the rings of power, the means by which he intends to rule Middle-earth. All he lacks in his plans for dominion is the one ring, the ring that rules them all, which has fallen into the hands of the hobbit, Bilbo Baggins. In a sleepy village in the Shire, Young Frodo Baggins finds himself faced with an immense task as his elderly cousin Bilbo entrusts the ring to his care. Frodo must leave his home and make a perilous journey across Middle-earth to the cracks of doom, there to destroy the ring and foil the Dark Lord in his evil purpose. And I'll read out J.R.R. Tolkien's bio. John Ronald Royal Tolkien, 1892-1973, a writer, artist, scholar, linguist, Known to millions around the world as the author of The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien spent most of his life at the University of Oxford, where he was a distinguished academic in the fields of Old and Middle English and Old Norse. His creativity, confined to his spare time, found its outlet in fantasy works, stories for children, poetry, illustration, and invented languages and alphabets. And so the books nominated in the audiobook fiction of the year category are the lord of the rings but we only had time to review the fellowship of the ring so that's the book that we're going to be talking about today and poppy did mention is the this version of the book is narrated by andy circus so do you want to kind of start off with your initial thoughts on this poppy yeah sure so i'd actually started very slowly um reading um fellowship of the ring anyway when we got this incredible opportunity so I actually have sort of shifted a little bit by about 12 hours maybe um, of what I've listened to because I'd already read the first um, half-ish of the first book and then I switched to the audiobook and then I've listened to a good amount of uh, the second one as well. So it was really interesting doing that switch, you know, going from the voice in my head that was, you know, translating those words uh, on the page to the amazing Andy Serkis um, reading them to me. But it was a really nice, smooth transition. Um, not in any way because the voice in my head uh, was was so good, but because the audio was so good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, certainly from my perspective, this is going to be a very positive review all round. Uh, I thought it was great. I am still listening to the rest of them. I will keep listening. I'm sure I will re-listen again in the future. Um, really, really fabulous. It's so great to have these out in unabridged audio now um you know i think it's just so great that that is an option when it's been so difficult before i remember when i was looking a few years ago for an audio version of the hobbit you know was really struggling and i believe this was where kind of this project began from was um andy reading that out um so yeah first impressions are i think it was fab so i hope you agree (laughs) yeah so this is this is a bit of a weird one for me because This is a book I initially read back when I was like maybe 13, 14 years old. And Mm -hmm. like when you reread a book after that period of time, there's certain things that you forget and then you remember and then you get reintroduced to. So like there's certain sections in this book that were surprising and uh, sometimes pleasant surprise, sometimes like a weird surprise um, (laughs) as well. And because the movies are so prevalent in popular culture that kind of mm-hmm. also colors your impression of, of course like certain artistic decisions that a narrator is going to make and kind of mm-hmm. it kind of it colors that one way or the other and kind of Andy Serkis is always going to be associated yeah. with this series so that's the other kind of concern I had going in kind of what decisions he was going to make about that and mostly I think they, they were quite positive uh, artistic decisions there was a few things that I had minor quibbling issues with but mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of one of those things kind of where your personal relationship with the text kind yep. of colors a new version when it comes out and stuff like that so yeah um definitely yeah. yeah I think that's something where this obviously has the upper hand on a lot of adaptations because as you say 
the films are so prevalent and certainly as far as I understand largely really quite praised which again is rare for you know book to movie adaptations and obviously yeah by having Andy in there you know that's got that tied to the film a for obviously you know voicing certain characters um but then also just having you know worked with the actors that did the other voices and being involved in the creation of that film and all of that is certainly yeah going to tie it to that um for better or for worse you know i mean especially we we've got to say the, his um Sean Bean impression <laughs> yes was incredible <laughs> yeah um they could have had a stand in second narrator for that part um potentially so yeah and that's i imagine very definitely a because we want this to sound like what a lot of people will hear um, you know, and because they'll think back to the films and stuff like that. So, yeah. What pros and cons did you have on it? So I've. OK, so generally speaking, I think the pros, I think Andy's got a, a really beautiful narrative oh, yeah. voice. He's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I don't know how to. I'm struggling to find the right word for it, but there's kind of like this like um, rumble at the back of his throat. Yeah, it's really pleasant. And I don't know if there's an, like an English word for that, but it, it's kind of very engaging, very like soothing mm-hmm. um it's kind yeah. of it's yeah i could listen to him kind of like, and this is a long old but that kind of fellowship of the ring is like 22 hours yeah long so it's a bit of a beast to kind of um and then yeah when through. you put the whole series together it's, yeah. it's a long long time but i completely agree and like just that that low kind of bassy voice yeah. is like you say a just in general really lovely and soothing but also i think it really suits the genre Yes. You know, I really think it suits the fact that this is a fantasy epic. It just seems like the right voice for that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I quite enjoyed most of the character voice choices that he made. And, I've, and it does maybe kind of wonder, kind of obviously with the films and his associated with the films, mm-hmm. how much of those choices were influenced by being involved in the movie yeah, because exactly, I think yeah. certain Hobbits had Scottish accents because <laughs> I think maybe the the actors playing them were, were Scottish or whatever and um, stuff like that. Uh, the, the one area I did think he not necessarily struggled with but wasn't perhaps as strong as the rest of his narration was some of the female voices that he did. Okay. They, they sounded a little bit same-ish to me. Right. Um, but then that might just be a byproduct of the writing that a lot of Tolkien's female characters are samey anyway so it's kind of like how do you add like weight and colour to that where mm. I don't want to say two-dimensional because Galadriel is not a two-dimensional yeah, character yeah. but yeah do you know what I mean yeah so yeah I do yeah, yeah yeah it didn't necessarily flag to me like it wasn't something that I'd noted down yeah but I certainly can see where you're coming from I think yeah yeah now you say it yeah so let's talk a little bit about the story I think many people are going to be kind of like familiar with it from the movies but the book is very different to the movies and kind of like people's that's certainly my memory and I had read the book and I, like one of my favorite uh movies uh growing up was the animated version of the Lord of the Rings by um okay uh, Bakshi and then kind of obviously the movies came out as well and obviously when you're adapting something certain things need to be taken out and certain things need to be added in there but um yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about the story and this is you know, this is a book and a, a series of books that have you know people study their PhDs on this. yeah so this is just kind of like uh, you know two very much kind of lay people approaching approaching oh, the yeah. subject so please don't uh kind of like attack us for, <laughs> for anything we say in this so um what was your kind of like impression of like the story overall how did it kind of like hold up to you like what you anticipated from it yeah yeah okay so Yes, thank you for saying that about not holding us to too much yeah. because I am nervous about talking about this from so much a story perspective because obviously, um, and I'm sure we will talk even more about how good the audio was and this being up for Audiobook of um, the Year prize and, it, you know, unlike the Richard Osman that we talked about, which yeah. is actually up for the Crime Book of the Year, either in its print or in whatever format kind yeah. of um, category, this is obviously all focusing on the audio and so that is really exciting. And yes, I am nervous talking about the story because I know that I don't know it as well as so many people. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, in comparison, I don't know it at all and, you know, may as well have not listened kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, please do uh, take that into account. But I, I really, really liked it. It's obviously one of those things that 
is so popular and so many people love it. Um, and the people that don't are equally quite strong in their opinion of, no, I don't <laughs> don't like it. So finding where you sit in that, I kind of had heard uh, both sides of it, but always liked the idea and always thought that I would um, love it and, yeah, uh, enjoyed it. I do think it's really good. I like the whole world that's created uh, is fantastic and all the characters so well fleshed out, I think. I really enjoy the pacing of it, which I know is a lot of people's criticism of kind of how uh, long the journey takes and that sort of stuff. But I think it's great. I think it has a great mix of excitement and mystery and just good storytelling. I could tell the influence from ancient epics. You know, you can obviously tell and that's part of Tolkien's uh, education and stories that he loved um, and I really liked that it really is that sort of modern epic of that thing it has so many of those same tropes it writes things in the same way even just the way it talks about landscape and talks about people and the way it sits them all down in a room and they're all telling stories and that's how you learn about the people of this place and that sort of stuff um, that yeah I think is great yeah so that this is a far weirder and stranger book than I initially remembered it. There's kind of like a lot of like odd things in the book and it's far more musical than I remember it being. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a, like song plays a huge part mm-hmm. throughout the story, both in terms of how people relate to the past and yeah. kind of events in the past and how that forms a link to their present and what they hope to achieve in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. and um, there's some really kind of weird section like Tom Bombadil, for example, is this character that doesn't really feature in any of the film adaptations. And he Mm. plays, he's plays, he, I mean, huge, huge huge part, huge huge role in this book. And the central mystery kind of not central, but the mystery about like what Tom Bombadil is and, um, Mm. kind of, it really sets in place that the fact that this is, a strange world full of strange things that yeah. are unexplainable and dangerous and powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, this idea of these hobbits going out from this supposedly safe place into this yeah. wide world where they're, they're tiny, they're small, everything presents a danger yeah. to them in one way or the other. And they're reliant on the kindness of strangers and at the whim of kind of these terrible dark forces and malevolent creatures as well so that is one thing that really struck me Mm -hmm. with the book the other thing was uh kind of how old-fashioned it was kind of when you read a lot of like modern fantasy it's kind of the expectation is that there is going to be a far more diverse cast of character in terms of like the Mm. number of women involved um kind of like different races and stuff and i don't want to kind of get into the discussion about you know, orcs being evil and that having certain kind of like problematic mm. aspects to it. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how old-fashioned it, it was. But really the weirdness, the weirdness of the story was something that was like uh, pleasantly surprising to me. Mm. Um, yeah. No, no, that's fair. And it's sort of, this is potentially a bit of a tangent, but it's a good time as any to bring it up. I always find in things like that for me personally this is very much an individual's perspective that I never seem to mind that much about you know a central group of characters being kind of all male yeah because I can still you know in that sense of being pulled into the story still feel like one of the gang and oddly I feel a lot less alienated by that than by sometimes when a female character is brought in um, if it's done badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even to be fair, when it's not, because when they are brought in, gender then becomes a thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing. When I'm, I'm not saying everything should be all male, that's yeah, the way yeah, it is. Yeah. But, but my personal experience often when I'm reading or watching things or listening is that a full male cast, when you don't have anything about gender in it, feels like so much more of a safe space 
to be in and where it's like, yeah, I could be on this adventure with them and yeah, I could be doing this as well. But then as soon as there's a female in there, there's then questions about, well, what role do they play? What okay. stuff do they do? Are they as strong? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I totally agree with you. And I, I do think that is, you know, probably it's telling of the time, uh, yeah. you know, that he, he did say, no, there's going to be no women going on this journey, part of the fellowship kind of thing. One example that I'll give, but I'll try and not stay too long off topic, is the later seasons of um, Red Dwarf. Oh, where yes. Where yeah. they bring in the Kachansky that's played yeah. by a different actress. And I absolutely hate her. Be- <laughs> and and yeah. the way that they treat her, you know, she is an annoying woman. Yeah. And, and in all the kind of stereotypical ways that you can do it of her being an annoying woman and her womanness is very much played in it. And all the way up until she comes in, I feel like I'm one of the gang. Um, I absolutely love it. And then she comes in and I suddenly feel like I'm not one of the gang anymore. You yeah. know? Um, so, yes, off topic. Yeah, off topic. <laughs> uh, but, but that kind of connected thing as well, yes, you can definitely make that argument of yeah. it lacking in sort of yeah. uh, female protagonists and stuff like that. I personally found it fine. You know, I was yeah. going on the journey with them um, as part of the crew um the fellowship yeah <laughs> the crew the gang yeah um the lads and the lads exactly <laughs> um so yeah and I, I so yeah anyway that yeah. was what i thought on that and then it was interesting how you brought up about the songs because obviously that's somewhere where audio is a real pinch yeah point, i couldn't isn't escape it, it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true yeah you couldn't gloss over it. uh listen to our previous episodes uh for the reference on that yeah. but um yeah certainly for me as well with having you know read uh, the first part of it and then listened I in a short space of time had both experiences um, you know of trying to read these verses which is really difficult you know when you kind of okay you, you can tell the meter because it's you know it's written in that kind of verse and you've got that but you've got no sort of like you know tune to it and sometimes you can catch yourself wrong on what the the rhythm and the meat is supposed to be and it, it can feel like a bit of a slog to read through those parts um i do understand where you come from from that yeah. i personally felt then when i switched to the audio i absolutely loved it and had no qualms whatsoever um there was one in particular i mean i kept i kept writing it down i kept going oh and i loved yeah. that one yeah. and i loved that one but the um the one as they're leaving Lothlorien that's being sung was so genuinely beautiful. Like I could feel it in my chest, that kind of really beautifulness of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was honestly just phenomenal. And, you know, I wouldn't get that from reading the words on yeah. the page. You know, I wasn't even really listening to the words, you know, it was that that feeling and this was um, you know, Andy doing a female voice yeah. singing and um, you know, a female character at least singing this and it was it was just incredible i felt really 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 moved by it and i felt moved by a lot of the other ones as well and thought they were incredible i couldn't find anywhere from a quick google and i'd be really really interested to know how um they kind of decided on all the tunes you know whose responsibility was that um if Andy came up with them himself, then, yeah. oh my goodness, what the hell? Um, and if not, just the fact that he learnt it from whoever did, you know, whoever did teach him and or, or coach him in what those songs should be, what the tunes should be, what the rhythm should be, um, you know, no matter whether, who came up with it, the, the preparation that surely must have gone into that, or, you know, props if that was done on the fly, yeah. um, which I doubt, but you, you never know. It was just, yeah, I'd love to know how those bits came about because i imagine that will be really difficult but it's done so well it makes it seem like it was easy you know yeah. it makes it seem like he did just sit there in the recording studio and just sing them out even though you know reality checks in you're like i'm sure he can't have just <laughs> done that but they yeah, were yeah, fantastic yeah. i personally thought they were incredible and for a series like this where as you say there are so many sections of verse so many sections of song having this here as an option i think just it gives it the massive upper hand. It's like, yeah. why would you not want to listen to this version if you get the opportunity to? Yeah, I, I'm kind of just adding to that um, a mm-hmm. little bit. I think there's this old cliche, it's, it's the singer, not the song. Mm. And I think he does like such a superb job of kind Incredible. of like, breathing life. And uh, mm-hmm. like, I, it's an odd phrase to use, but sentiment into, yeah. into these kind of like uh, songs. And, and by sentiment, kind of like, you know, there's that kind of that bathhouse song that they've got earlier on in the mm-hmm. book and then he's able to 
change kind of like tenor into more kind of melancholic songs and like oh Tom, such range yeah yeah like mm. you know Tom Bombadil's kind of like he speaks I think almost exclusively in kind of like this weird booming sing song <laughs> voice as well so kind of yeah kind of Yeah, it's also interesting to note on that as well. So um, if you haven't listened, you won't know, but this is done without any backing music. It is all his voice, but you don't feel you're missing it. You know, even when the narration says, you know, there was a guitar playing in the background or whatever, you don't feel like you're you're not hearing it properly to not have that i think it's perfect as as pure as it is and sort of as a contrast to and um, there was a once that we talked about last time how i was saying how much i thought the backing music really elevated it i really liked in this one how it was just his voice but yeah. his voice was was just absolutely perfect for it and obviously that works for times when you know they're kind of all sat around or walking or whatever and there aren't instruments you know so it suits there and, and there's no um sound effects throughout at all either really and again i think that works i think that was is a good style choice you could very easily sound effect it and i'm sure someone could do it incredibly well and have a kind of you know movie-like experience with it but i i liked it as it was and i even thought that um just with his voice andy did amazing amazing sounds like he did like kind of uh, mine's a very poor impression which Again, if you compare directly to The Wizards of Once, which did use sound effects for that sort of thing, his voice was better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it just was. And then a similar thing of like, you could say it's a sound effect, but it straddles between sound effect and narration. But the fact that he's done it bridges that gap of yeah. like coming out of the water post almost drowning yeah the actual like spluttering and spitting of water yeah which i imagine they must have had water in a glass to have yeah. <laughs> to have <laughs> yeah, done yeah. that made it so real i thought that was incredible yeah. and then just the little things of like the narration said somewhere about there being a whistle in someone's you know dialogue yeah and he's managed to do that you know yeah. he's managed to get a whistle into that you know sentence or whatever it was it's just yeah, absolutely perfect in that kind of way of, yeah, not making you in any way feel like you're missing any sound design because you just did it all. Yeah, I mean, I've just got like a couple of more notes on this because mm. I want to finish like the discussion like on Circus's performance. But yeah. um, it was really refreshing coming back to this. I've, got, I've talked a little bit about this before, kind of like your impression of the story and what the actual story is and yeah so in this version of the audiobook there's like a, a preface section where jr Tolkien kind of like addresses different theories and stuff like that and it's fascinating with important fictional texts how much people bring their own baggage yeah to it and yeah so definitely with this one i think that's also the case as well kind of you can kind of read in different analogies and stuff like that into there about kind of like nuclear weapons uh, you know the power of friendship and stuff mm. like that but yeah i mean just going back to the point you made earlier on, you know, Tolkien writes fantastic, fully realized characters that are yeah. full of like weaknesses and strengths. And I really loved, you know, the choices he made around um, Samwise, Gamgee and Frodo mm-hmm. and their kind of like their relationship yeah, uh, together yeah, yeah. is kind of like really lovely mm-hmm. and a bit odd at the same time because, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, and, you know, how, you know, different pairings and different characters kind of interact with each other yeah. as well is beautifully beautifully done i guess the modern sort of pop culture reference to that would be that um someone is sort of the the charles boyle of that relationship that sort of comparison there yeah. but no i completely agree um and yeah it was the one where i sort of i really wanted to love these because it, it, it ticks all the boxes of what i should really like yeah. and i did yeah um, so, yeah. yeah yeah so um i i have to say I was genuinely stunned how good Andy's performance was. I mean, this is like a real powerhouse performance. And I wasn't, for me, I like to support like the the underdog, the the, the little (laughs) guy. And I just thought, oh, you know, this is just kind of like, it's on the list because it's like a big title and it's narrated by kind of fairly (laughs) big name. Nah, dude, this fully deserves its place on the list. It's, you know, it's a top contender and it's a top contender for very, very good reason. This is... Um, if you're interested in like fantasy or Lord of the Rings or you're a fan of the movies, genuinely you should go out and get your hands on these audiobooks. They're abs. Well, the one that I've listened to, The Fellowship of the Ring, was absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, you know, I believe it continues throughout. And I mean, you've got me since we've, you know, been doing this podcast, got me into bad habits of um, being able to listen to audio sped up Yeah. um, to try and especially, you know, it's come in handy when we've been rushing to to get episodes done. But these I refused, despite how long it was and how it would be nice to get through more of it in the shorter time no because Andy's pacing is just absolutely yeah. perfect and it deserved every you know millisecond to be properly savored it was so so good and I thought especially because it's such dense language you know yes yeah. and hugely long sentences with you know you no idea when the end of the sentence is going to come, yeah. you know? Uh, and I thought he did a pretty good job of getting that intonation right so that, you know, each sentence sounded like a sentence. It wasn't like, oh, crap, there's another yeah. <laughs> the clause on the end that I forgot and yeah. my, my intonation's a bit wrong and stuff, which is fantastic. I thought he brought some real humour to a lot of what he did as well. There was one I, I wrote down here, if you want to go check it out, it's uh, just after about 14 hours in uh, of um, <laughs> Fellowship hours. of the Ring. <laughs> um, because I listened to it a while ago, so I can't remember exactly how he did it. But um, it was something like many words and few to the point. Um, and yeah. just it, it wasn't quite like that the way he did it, yeah. but the way he did it as sort of an aside. Yeah. Um, added some some real yeah humor that you wouldn't necessarily get from reading from the page you know yes it's still you know making a bit of a a sly comment with few of them into the point but the way that it's said in that performance is just yeah so so good um i'm i mean i had some other notes here it's just just fantastic perfect tone oh yeah this was the thing like when it gets dangerous and tense and he talks like it's dangerous and tense you then you and then it gets a bit calmer and you think it's going to be okay and that was just really perfectly perfectly done how he matched the way he was narrating to the emotion of the scenes um there's so many good things to say it was really incredible kind of like the you know when the when the characters are tired he kind of like manages to bring that across when they see something wonderful or stunning or scary he also yeah so it's it's a really really superb performance really really good um so oh, i think definitely. that's a, a firm recommendation from both of us and yeah, for sure yeah, for uh, sure it's going to be there's some really well we'll maybe do a little discussion at the end kind of which but we think should win but um <laughs> yeah it's this book really put the cat amongst the pigeons um mm-hmm. for me as did the next book should we talk about the sandman volume two yes uh poppy do you want to read out the uh blurb for that okay so Enter the Dreaming Again as the blockbuster audio adaptation of The Greatest Epic in the History of Comic Books continues in The Sandman Act 2. James McAvoy returns to voice Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams, in the sequel to the number one New York Times audio bestseller. Journey into a world of myths, imagination and terror based on the best-selling DC comic books and graphic novels written by Neil Gaiman, returning as the narrator, and lose yourself in another groundbreaking, immersive drama adapted and directed by the award-winning audio master Dirk Maggs. In the absolutely packed Act 2, the dark fantasy resumes and the Sandman expands into the French Revolution, ancient Rome, 19th century San Francisco, 8th century Baghdad and beyond. New and familiar characters abound, voiced by a bright mix of performers, including Kat Dennings, Reggae Jean Page, Emma Corrin, Michael Sheen, Kristen Schaal, Brian Cox, John Lithgow, Jeffrey White and so many more, including fan favourite narrators Simon Vance and Ray Porter. Just close your eyes and listen again as the greatest epic continues. Act 2 of the audio series The Sandman adapts collected volumes 4, Season of Mists, and 5, A Game of You, of the comics in their entirety, and most of volume 6, Fables and Reflections. And I will read out Neil Gaiman's bio. Neil Gaiman is the New York Times bestselling author and creator of books, graphic novels, short stories, films, and television for all ages, including Norse Mythology, Neverwhere, Coraline, The Graveyard Book, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, The View from the Cheap Seats, and the Sandman comic book series published by DC. His fiction has received uh, Newbery, Carnegie, Hugo, Nebula, World Fantasy, and Will Eisner Awards. Gaiman was the writer and showrunner for the Emmy-nominated miniseries adaptation of Good Omens based on the book that he co-authored with Sir Terry Pratchett. His novel American Gods has also been adapted to a critically acclaimed Emmy-nominated TV series. His audio books have won five audio awards and frequently appear in the New York Times audio bestseller list. 
In 2017, he became a goodwill ambassador for the UNHCR and the UN Refugee Agency. Um, and this was adapted by uh, Dirk Mags as well. So um, so I've got quite, again, quite a long history with this book. So mm-hmm. as some of our listeners may or may not be aware, I've got another podcast called See Through Panel where I review graphic novels and comic books. I write comic books myself. And Mm -hmm. the Sandman series is genuinely one of the most important graphic novel comic book series in the English language. So, you know, and there's a new Netflix adaptation coming out this year as well. So let let me get your opinion on it first, because I've got um, quite a lot to say about it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I I was so excited to listen to this. Um, It's been on my list for a while that I've really, really wanted to. A, because it's obviously heralded as being amazing for audioness you know the fact that it is this proper adaptation of a you know visual art form was really exciting to me anyway and of course it being Neil Gaiman and uh, I do really like Neil Gaiman's books but sort of on a slight you know comparison with the Lord of the Rings ones where you know it's the kind of thing where it ticked all the boxes for me so I was hoping I'd love it and I did Neil Gaiman I always find he ticks all the boxes for me and I, I really want to absolutely love everything he does and and for some reason I just don't love it as much as I want to you know yeah. um I do really really like uh Neil Gaiman's stuff um I liked American Gods um I liked Good Omens with Terry Pratchett but just something for some reason I don't know and it kind of makes me a little bit sad I, I wish I loved Neil Gaiman's stuff more and like that some of my family do uh and you know obviously people that I see on the internet absolutely love and I'm like I really want to love it that much yeah. um but I do certainly really really like it um I thought it was fab I really enjoyed this I have not uh, read the comics before I was yeah. going in completely fresh so I made sure to listen to the first one yeah. uh, probably because I wanted to anyway and I'm really glad uh, if anyone's listening and you've not listened to the first one but obviously this one's you know nominated and uh, newer don't skip to the second one <laughs> listen to the first one first or at least read the comics of the first one first because you will be completely lost I think um Again, comparison to Wizards Once, where I thought I did, you know, a great recap. You you could jump in at that one if you wanted to. Please don't jump in at Act Two for this. You do really need the context and the characters um, of what's come before. I personally think, but if you've got that, it is fab. I actually, in some ways, preferred the first one a little bit more to the second one. I think just because it it's has more of a narrative tighter. Exactly. Yeah, 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 it had more of a linear story. It sort of uh, kept me in it, whereas this one is a lot more episodic, which uh, I enjoy. Uh, and I did find it good, but it, it was slightly more difficult to follow, slightly more difficult to get into. And especially, I think, because I was listening to it, you know, all at once in preparation for this, as opposed to dipping into an episode at a time and going back to the world. Um, yeah, for some reason, I, I did prefer the first bit more. But this is... Again, just like with the really, really like and the love bit, it's a fine line. Um, yeah. I thought this was really good. And I mean, when we get onto the audio, wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what's your thoughts? What's your backstory? So I think, again, it's when you've read a book in your head or read a mm-hmm. comic book series mm-hmm. in your head and you've got a certain idea of how certain characters are going to sound. Yeah. Um, I didn't have like James McAvoy's performance <laughs> in my head. And don't get me wrong, James McAvoy's performance is really good superb yeah in my head sandman had a more ethereal floating mm. quality to his voice and his one is very much it's very much more detached stuffy mm. uh, upper crust mm. uh, voice and i found it was really interesting that morpheus has a very strong kind of english accent to me and the other people in his family have very much american accents mm. to my ear so that's kind of like that separates him from the rest of the family or uh, certainly marks him out as, as different to them as well. But yeah, that that's kind of that one thing that I had to kind of, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get used to yeah, that. It's yeah. kind of, that's not, that's not the voice that I had in my head, but okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, he, he, you know, his performance was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is kind of that one of the things. And again, kind of my memories of the stories is very different to what's the actual stories in this. And I think it, this is, stories rather than story because Mm, it yeah there are some episodes where morpheus features quite heavily and there Mm -hmm. are others where he's very much a peripheral character and that structure i can imagine how that could be frustrating and challenging to kind of like get your hooks in and how it could be very um 
easy to get lost and get confused about what's happening there. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I do think it's that kind of thing where if I were, you know, choosing to read this purely for my leisure, um, I think I would have preferred, you know, an episode at a time, you know, and then I'd be like, oh, I feel like a bit of Sandman Uh, and then go and listen to one. And then in that sense, that sort of section of stories, um, nature works really, really well, I think, and is really interesting. But then, yeah, so for me, as a recommendation, if you're thinking of how to listen, it's less of a binge one, I think, the second one. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But then again, with all the different characters and remembering them all, kind of doing it all close together is um, is also a good way to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, so obviously for James McAvoy, I didn't have any impression of Morpheus in my head to start with. Well, apart from, obviously, I imagine everyone will know, because it's seared into my brain, of the um, Audible advert that's on basically every YouTube video you ever try and yeah. watch or every Twitch stream. Um, I've just Have you heard the one about the immortal Lord of Dreams? Yeah. Um, which, so that was all I knew really about the story um, is from the advert. So I didn't have an impression of Morpheus in my head. So I do very much now have that James McAvoy personality that he brings in his performance uh, of it in my head for that story and then similar to how I picked out those little bits of humour that Andy Serkis brought into his performance there was some here where um, yeah perhaps you do get from the facial expressions of say the illustration in the comics or whatever I don't don't know for a direct comparison so it is it's possibly a uh, translation of that rather than an addition where it was in um lord of the rings but some of his ways he said stuff was just genuinely yeah, really dry. funny yeah yeah so for, so that there was uh one that was again there's gonna be bad impressions but it was like did you win lord no uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh and then there was like a really spooky modulated voice that was just like really evil and then he goes yes very well and it was just it was, it was really funny that that stocked contrast which i think is nice in this sort of book as well which has some really gruesome um gross disgusting things and yet also a load of humor in it you know it's that real weird mix of um kind of maniacally dark uh sort of thing which i think does really tie into the fact that you know it's dc comics you know it's that kind of superheroiness and i did definitely yeah. get that superheroiness of it and yeah. especially in the audio as well the, depending on the sections it really did differ between where you were which characters you were with and stuff like that but some of it was very superheroy. you know yeah, it's sort yeah. of the my my way of thinking of it was like it was the audio equivalent of like really overly saturated colors yeah it's sort of how i felt about some of those sections that just really rings true for superhero for me yeah. you know it made me think of um the gotham tv series which i used to really love and stuff like that it has that tie as well as also having a tie to fantasy epics yeah you know it, it bridged between those two quite different book connected genres um yeah yes yeah, so i think this is like his writing is very much influenced by like classics and mythology mm-hmm. kind of that kind of run mm. re- i did there is kind of a few things i need to kind of pick you up on what you've said there so um oh, no. <laughs> yeah so technically it's published by dc but there was a imprint of dc called vertigo and the mm-hmm. sandman books were initially published by them and okay like, cool so vertigo didn't really do superhero comics they kind of did weird dark uh stories that were aimed um at adults but the, the, the interesting thing about the Sandman character is that it does play around with, especially in, in the first book, yeah, kind of like yeah. ideas of like what, you know, what a superhero is and kind of having you know, that, that dream about of power and uh, stuff like that. So that, that, that kind of do, does come into it um, mm. as well. But I think it's going to be interesting how they do this going forward because there's a lot that happens in this second volume that is really key to ha- what happens um, in future, in, in, in the Ooh, future episodes. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting going forwards to see what they do with it. And let's talk a little bit about kind of like the audio production for this, because this is a very yeah. different creature to yes. uh, Andy Circus's. I was going to say Andy Circus's Lord of the Rings. Um, but <laughs> yeah. where, whereas that is a very kind of like pure, you know, really leaning on the power of Andy's voice. This is yeah. a, you know, throwing all the bells and whistles at it in terms of like sound design. Yeah. Um, 
music mm-hmm. uh sound effects all that sort of stuff in there mm-hmm. and, with and like full... layered audio as well layered like you've got audio. people talking in the background while you've got you know narration going on in front and all sorts of stuff like that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and kind of like a, a full cast i mean mm-hmm. it, i mean this is kind of it's, it is like a movie production the, the yeah, really exactly. big 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 names that they've mm-hmm. um they've got on there and i mean two of the people that are up for other books so andy circus yeah. is in there and yeah. david tennant is in there yes yeah so it's kind of yeah Exactly. Um, <laughs> so they've got twice the chance of, uh, of winning. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I want to start off with kind of Neil Gaiman's narration. I felt he mm-hmm. did like a fine job. I don't want to say he was like the weakest part of the story. He's kind of got like this sort of um, slightly sarcastic, yeah. or sardonic kind of like tongue when he's narrating that. I don't want to say it was great, but it's kind of like it took me a little while to kind of get used to. And I thought it was kind of quite a brave decision for him to narrate those sections of the books because I know a lot of authors wouldn't be comfortable doing that. So what, what were your kind of like impressions? And this is an audio book. It's not like a radio play because of yeah. Neil's narration of it. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would be so interested to, you know, really delve into, you know, how much narration they felt they had to add when they were adapting it, you know, that was kind of, I guess, taking up some of the slack of what would be images. Um, and so that will be really interesting because, yes, it does have a significant amount of narration in there, but is also very dialogue-led. Uh, it's it's a real mix of the two. And then, yeah, Neil has a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive rhythm to with the way that he speaks as well, as well as just his voice being distinctive. Um, and so I therefore really quite liked it because it was his head it was his story that I was hearing you know so I really liked that and I've also listened to a bit of his narration of Norse mythology um you know a book that he's done about Norse mythology that he also narrates the audiobook for and so I was already I guess prepped for getting used to his narration because I got used to it and listening to a good chunk of that and so yeah I really liked it and I think it did I guess it did make me think about how this was, you know, his creation and not in a bad way, but in a in a really sort of you see the creative cogs turning sort of thing. We're being invited into his crazy, chaotic, um, dark and twisted world. Uh, so, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. And obviously you also have that kind of reassurance, should you want it, of this is how the creator wants it to be. Yes. You know, yeah. which is why a lot of people like authors narrating. Yeah. I mean, he's got a pleasant voice. He has got a pleasant voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, you do know that he's saying stuff the way he wants it to come yeah. across, you know? I, mean, I think we should give like a shout out to Dirk Mags because I think he's mm. done a lot of this. We've previously reviewed one graphic novel that was adapted to. Yeah. Audio that was slain. The mm-hmm. I can't remember the, the the full title of it, but yeah, um, it's not an easy thing to do. Kind of taking no. that taking that text and then kind of God no. yeah adapting it there. So he's done a superb job with this. And then I really love the music that they used. Yes, to separate yes, yes. The, the well, not only to separate the characters, but kind of like um, as a kind of a background pieces mm-hmm. in some of the chapters as well. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely completely agree. I mean, I love the kind of the theme music um, effectively. Uh, I thought was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that. And I also, yeah, like the music that they use um, throughout it, the music that is sometimes in the background of songs. Again, you've got some amazing songs that get sung and that was so moving, like there was a ghastly chorus or something near the end of this second act that, again, really, really moving, really, really moving singing. Um, And then also just the way that music is used, as you sort of touched on, very much like a film. You know, it has a score, effectively. You know, the sort of potentially romantic moments have that sort of, you know, romantic music in the background. And, you know, more tense moments have more tense music in the background. It was but in that way that a good movie score does, where it's hard to notice it's even there. You know, yeah. you notice the effect that it has on you, but you don't go, oh, they've, they've pressed play on the music there. You know, it's it just adds to atmosphere without you quite realising that that's what it's doing. Really, really clever. Absolutely, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, and because um, it's a full cast audio, but which of the, like, the characters specifically stood out to you uh, in terms of like, because, I mean, there's a lot... A lot of a lot of actors in there. I, I mean, I would have to say I I specifically enjoyed because I'm I'm big fans of them anyway. But um, I enjoyed 
Kristen Charles uh, as Delirium. Um, right. Uh, Brian Cox, I think he was the Roman Emperor, and John Lithgow as the King of San Francisco. For me, those, those three performances specifically uh, stood out to me from the audiobook. What, what about you? Was there any anyone specific that kind of stood out? Um, I mean, all were fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really, really phenomenal. Um, I got very excited because there was um, the actor that plays Mickey Bricks from Hustle, which is one of my favourite programmes ever. Yeah. I recognised his voice instantly and was like, oh my God, he's in it. So that yeah. was exciting. Um, I thought he did good. I really quite liked um, Kat Dennings. So Kat Dennings plays Death and that character of death i thought she had a really great voice of and you know there are so many different representations of death you know there's the death in good omens which is very very different to Terry pratchett's discworld death um yeah. which is you know kind of my main you know, the main one yeah, that pops yeah. into my head when i think of a personification of death um and you know you've got things like the book thief death you know there are so many different characters of the grim reaper throughout various sort of things and then especially there you know within the same sort of realms of authors and worlds and stuff having such such different ideas and this one that Kat Dennings plays is a very different kind of death to any of the others yeah. that I've come across before and I really thought that she was a cast very well obviously I don't know from the source material but yeah. from how I heard the words yeah she did um, a very I, good job yeah. I, yeah I felt she was cast really well for what the character to me seemed like they were written like and then I think performed it really really fantastically as well I think she did um I think she did great yeah so um Guyman's version of death is kind of a really fascinating interpretation yeah, yeah. of that character he has written like a death standalone graphic novel and if you're interested Ooh. in checking out that character it's definitely one that I would uh recommend you reading oh definitely um, then yeah as, as well um what other notes have I got uh on this. I had a little yeah, note yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and I definitely don't want to finish on this one because it is slightly critical and I would like to continue with other stuff. So Act 2, a large section of it very much focuses on the character of Wanda who's a trans woman Yeah, and I think it's very obvious that they are definitely making the point that you know, transphobia is not okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I certainly like that it does make that stance clear. Yeah. But it does that through you having to listen to a hell of a lot of dead naming, transphobic yeah. language, people's opinions on gender that are not welcoming to those kinds of ideas. And I found it really hard to listen yeah. to yeah. because it was quite relentless for I don't know how long, like I mean, it was an hour, good, two like, hours, yeah, or it yeah. was probably longer than that. It was it was quite relentless of basically her whole identity being challenged, her having to keep fighting, you know, her having yeah. to keep um, standing up for it and, you know, family, friends, strangers, whatever. And I just feel like for... Um, trans people who are listening, it's not going to be a fun experience for them either. It wasn't a fun experience for me. I'm not trans. And I think if you have had to live through that, where you're always having to fight for your identity to be valid, to then, you know, hear all that for so long, despite the fact that, you you know, you know that the creators behind it aren't you know, agreeing with it, it's still not fun. It's still going to remind you of the times when, you know, your family, your peers, strangers on the street, that evil voice inside your head have said similar things. And I just, yeah, it, it, it felt to me a lot more like the kind of, you know, <sighs> there's a lot of different comparisons, but one is sort of like kids books that teach you to be nice to everyone in the class you know even the sort of the outsiders in the class um because it's nice to be nice to people but then as any outsiders reading those books you're like okay but this isn't for me though is it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you giving a moral to somebody else but it's not you saying you are valued you aren't an outsider you're an insider you are one of us it, it felt to me a bit like that and um i saw from a um, article thing how they had taken a lot of care over what they did with Wanda's story and how they made sure everything was done with respect and that Dirk Mag specifically you know was very conscious of that he said like that part was keeping me up at night um, and that he, he was proud that both Wanda and Barbie in this version as opposed to the graphic novels the comics are 
this quote here, much more forthright about how they stand up to bullying and abuse. Um, and so, yes, that is definitely the overall uh, thing, which is good. But yes, it felt to me a, a lot more like that whole thing about groups of people being included in stories, but they're only being included for their trauma and not their joy. Um, yeah. And that yeah. was what I felt was a thing here. I think that's um, a fair shout, actually. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was sort of how I felt about it. I think, and certainly when you're adapting something that's already there, you know, there's only so much you can do with it. But I think, yeah, the, the barrage of horrible things was a bit like what I said about Careless, you know, with hearing yeah. all those horrible things about abortion, which since we recorded that episode in between recording and releasing it, obviously there was all the stuff in the US about um, yeah. Roe versus Wade. Um uh, we brought it even further to the forefront. But yes, it was a similar sort of thing where I was sitting in it, hearing things that weren't nice. Yeah. Um, and just that dampering the experience for me personally a little bit. And then also making me think of, yeah, so that it might alienate a little bit um, trans listeners rather than them feeling like... Uh, I mean, kind of, maybe this is because I'm bringing a knowledge of like the graphic novels and storybooks. Yeah, but yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. Desire is like quite clearly like, queer character in the graphic i don't know if that i get you yet came across in the audio at all and they've their relationship with um morpheus is one of the most interesting parts mm. of the entire sandman kind of like saga so mm-hmm. in this particular audiobook there is kind of like i don't want to say exploitative but kind of that there is kind of like that traumatic story yeah. that features a trans character but there are kind of queer characters Mm-hmm. in the story that are you know, given power and agency and yeah that you know that sort yeah. of thing um yeah as well. and there's some like you know same gender relationships in there um and stuff like that i think definitely yeah there's a there's a lot going on uh in that sort of thing it was just, it was very definitely much certainly when you compare it to act one act two very much had this one storyline that yeah, yeah definitely stands out yeah so i just want to talk a little bit about the structure of the audiobook so um i've not listened to, to sandman Act one, but the first part of the audiobook is very much a narrative where Morpheus is the main character and he's he's driving the story forward. After that, the rest of the sections of the book are very much, I would say, Sandman is a peripheral character mm-hmm. and it's kind of about things that happen either within his domain or kind of on the periphery of his domain. And he mm-hmm. acts as very much, I don't want to say like deus ex machina, but kind of like this um, mil- uh, powerful force that influences. Small, yeah, smaller characters, but uh, characters far less powerful than him. And mm-hmm. yeah, how, how did you kind of like find that slightly disjointed nature of the story? Yeah, like I say, I think it made me slightly prefer this less than the first one, yeah. which is does have some of that. It, it really does cut away for quite a while to, in some ways, you could say a separate story, you know, yeah. that, that is connected to it. But it has a more linear narrative throughout, whereas this was much more uh, segmented. But I did like it. I liked that it was sort of... Neil Gaiman playing around with these ideas, yeah, you know, it very um, much, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're in this world, if you're in this scenario, how might that connect to dream? How might that connect to dreaming? How might that connect to sleep? Um, and just it, it did feel it felt very playful to me. Yeah, uh, it felt very much like a brainstorm kind of thing. Um, especially because there was some kind of stuff that seeped in there that I could definitely click to American Gods of like the same yeah. sorts of ideas. Um, and it very much felt like we were in a melting pot of Neil's. I've had all these thoughts about, I mean, dreaming is such a fascinating thing in general. You know, what your brain goes through when you're asleep, the fact that, you know, you can go through what you think is a completely sensical story. And then when you wake up, you realise well, that person turned into that person partway through and I just didn't realise. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much that is fascinating about dreams that i can totally understand why he took it as the you know the nugget to start from and then does a really great job of exploring different things it is very interesting and takes some very dark turns at times i think maybe sometimes it's difficult because i really like dark and gruesome stuff but sometimes when it needs to serve a purpose for me i think i think there was some times where i felt some of it was a bit gruesome for not much reason you know yeah. just for just for the sense of how gruesome can we go kind of yeah. um trying I mean, out kind of thing specifically in like um the story featuring one that there is like a really kind of 
disgusting kind of semi-autopsy <laughs> scene in yeah there. it's kind of like okay weirdly yeah. that one didn't bother me as much as <laughs> some of the other parts yeah but, but yeah, yeah no totally i get you yeah, yeah. and to be fair oh, while we're on gruesome before i forget though one amazing example of like the sound effects and stuff is because there was like uh kind of worms i think or something eating the flesh of someone and the yeah, noises yeah. in that was so great i genuinely tensed when i was listening to it and like cringed and like you know my arms moving around in it oh that's gross but in a super effective way yeah. um definitely so yeah i thought those uh stories and things were really good one thing i would say about them is as you touched on the fact that a lot of it comes from myth and legend and things I would add on the same slight criticism that we had of Weird Gods when we reviewed that book, that it does, I think, expect you to already know quite a bit um, about kind of mythology. And certainly I think it would help if you did and you might feel a little bit lost. Not that you can't enjoy it because you can, but you kind of feel a little bit like, oh, there's other people who will get this more than me. That sort of thing, which is what we'd said about that other book a few episodes ago. I mean, so what I would say is Neil does go into kind of quite niche, obscure areas at (laughs) some points. I mean, he... You know, there's a section at the end of the book where he talks about like really obscure kind of like Jewish uh, mythology um, in terms of like the creation of Eve, which mm. like I yeah I you know I didn't. Like, that was interesting to learn about. Yeah, That's the thing because yeah, 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 there's yeah. some bits where you're not so much expected to know, but you get taught. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and I would say if you're not fully read up on kind of like Norse or Greek or mm-hmm. different mythologies, this I think is slightly more palatable than the graphic novels because oh, okay i don't know maybe there's just something to the quality of listening to these characters talk to each other rather than reading them on the page that kind of makes the story like the emotional interactions a little clearer i think in the audio than it is okay. on the page where you, i think you need to maybe work a little bit harder to understand how certain characters relate to each other within the framework of the mythology when it's, mm-hmm. the story is taking place, if that sentence makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I think this was a ver- another very, very good audiobook. Very yeah. different to The Fellowship of the Ring and The Lord of the Rings yeah. audiobooks. Um, I mean, it's so different to everything on this yeah. shortlist. You know, this is, like you say, it's the movie equivalent yeah. in audio. It is that completely immersive experience of everything that you can throw at it, which I think you'd really hope for in a graphic novel adaptation. Yeah. You know, it's very similar to what Slain was like, but taken up a few notches, Yeah, um, I think. And absolutely, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, we've talked about before how one of the reasons I got into audio and love it so much is because of the His Dark Materials ones. And they just had full cast, you know? And this has full cast, plus all the sound and the music, plus... The we you know we've got to credit the adaptation as as we already have done really that adaptation of you know adding in words where needed and making it a standalone thing but obviously still connected to its source material and stuff I think it was fantastic and then especially the fact that so when I was having a little snoop on Audible I saw that how like there's I think there's like six different languages um yes. that this is in and I, i'm pretty sure they're all like full cast and still all the sound and i cannot imagine how much work has gone into that and i think it's fantastic that it has you know that this is such an amazing and epic project and i'm so glad that it's not just english speakers that get to enjoy it yeah. you know i'm glad that the effort was put in because even more effort than any other thing where you translate it because of you know how much work goes into just doing it in one language and um, the fact that that's been done for so many is i'm really pleased to have seen that yeah, yeah it's really really great if you're interested in the sandman in general uh, as i was if you're interested in how audio can really be utilized in so many creative ways yeah you know even if you're interested in film i think you'd do well to listen to this because everything apart from the camera angles is what yeah. you're going to learn from from yeah. this sort of stuff I mean, and, you know, the visual imagery. You're going to learn so much about everything else that goes into a film, I think, yeah, from this. Yeah, yeah, I completely concur with you. So I think that's kind of a firm recommendation from both of us, really. Mm-hmm. Um, do, should we have just like a quick chat about the, the shortlist? Yeah, though, of course, listeners, go back and listen to every uh, one of these specials that we've done. It's really exciting that we get to be a partner with the British Book Awards, that we're supporting this category, Audiobook uh, of the Year Fiction. We're really, really thrilled. 
if you have come to us through this then welcome and and yeah if you just caught this one uh, please go take a listen to the others let us know what you think please you know if you've been listening along with the shortlist uh did you agree with the stuff we said did you disagree um whose team are you on regarding careless um, yeah. what are all your thoughts we'd really love to hear from you uh either yeah I'm sure Feb will say at the end, but our social medias or our email, um, please do get in touch. So, yeah. Okay, so we've uh, had Careless by uh, Kirsty Capes as narrated by Amber Gad. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien, narrated by Andy Serkis. The Man Who Died Twice by Richard Osman, narrated by Leslie Manville. The Night She Disappeared. That seemed like such a long time ago. The I know, she <laughs> The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell as narrated by Joanna Frogger. The Sandman Act 2 by Neil Gaiman and Dirk Maggs as narrated by Full Cast and The Wizard of Once, Never and Forever by Cressida Cowell and narrated by David Tennant. So it's a lot more diverse of a, a shortlist than you might think looking at it simply because mm. all the stories are really quite different. I mean, we've got a couple yeah. of, uh, well, three fantasy books on there and then three mm-hmm. books that are more um, set in the real world. Mm-hmm. So initially, I you know, last time we did an episode, I said, I think Careless is going to be my choice for mm-hmm. the one that I would like to win because I really enjoyed, I loved the story and I really enjoyed Amber's performance, but bloody Andy Serkis's performance, man. Yeah. Uh, flipping heck. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, um, but then again, you've got the the Sandman and uh, The Night She Disappeared, also two yeah. excellent books. So, like Between those four, I don't know which one. I'd want to win or which one should win what what, what kind of your thoughts yes it's, it's, really it's so difficult isn't it yeah. because of how diverse they are um and yeah I really don't envy uh the judges having to make this call and and so the two that we've uh reviewed today are obviously very much in there because of their audio you know they're up for this audiobook of the year fiction because they've done something exciting with the audio whether that's an incredible adaptation of a visual medium in you massively utilizes everything you can throw at the audio to one where you have a narrator from the films melding the two of the books and the films together as well as just being a phenomenal actor who breathes life into every word and like i mentioned before gives people an option to listen to these unabridged and not just you know, it's available in audio, but it's an incredible experience to listen to these books. Those two kind of, by virtue of what they are and the fact that they deliver on the promise means that they're really, really high up for me there. And then The Night She Disappeared is one where it just really won me over. It really, really did. That's one where... It isn't necessarily doing anything technically exciting. It is a book that was then made into an audio book, as is becoming, thankfully, so much more prevalent. But it had an incredible narrator who did so much to just absolutely nail everything about it. And the text itself was fantastic. A slow burner as it was. Yeah. It was then absolutely incredible. So I certainly wouldn't mind if that one managed to, you know, yeah. outshine the ones with the head start of yeah. being just great in audio because that is a fantastic audiobook yeah. in all, you know, senses of the word. It doesn't have to do anything particularly, you know, groundbreaking to have just been phenomenal. Yeah. Um so yeah, they're probably my three top picks. I did really like the Wizards of Once one as well. Yeah. I don't know that it is my winner, yeah. but I loved it. I did yeah. think it was really, really good and excited for the listening back to the whole series. It certainly deserves its place there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And we both, I think, felt that the Richard Osman was, you know, probably not our front runner. Yeah, this, I mean, I think we both kind of had lukewarm reactions to I think Leslie Manville did. It's good, but yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. Leslie Manville did a, a, a good job, a very good job of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I don't I don't think we connected with the text mm-hmm. the same way as we kind of connected with the text with either the Sandman, the Lord of the Rings, yeah, um, and the Night She Disappeared, yeah. disappeared and in my case kind of yeah. um careless as well. So that's it's a really, you know, tough short list, mm-hmm. very different 
very strong performances um, from yes. those top three, top four as well. So we'll be really looking forward to hearing uh, or finding out who has won it. Yeah. And yeah, guys, um, thank you to the people over at the bookseller for giving us the opportunity to yes, take thank part you so in this. Much. Uh, thank you so much for that. Please do, if you like listening to this, please continue to support us by uh, mm-hmm. leaving ratings and reviews on whatever platforms that you found us on. And if you could also donate in our tip jar, which is in our episode description as well. Again, if you want to get in touch, you can do that through social media at audiobookishpod or by email through audiobookishpod at gmail.com. And if you've got any uh, recommendations or if you're an author or narrator that wants their book reviewed with us, yeah, just get in touch as well um kind mm-hmm. of any closing thoughts poppy my closing thoughts are if you're listening to this on the day that we're releasing it on the 23rd of may then tune in at seven o'clock for the actual british book awards uh the virtual ceremony is going on um we will obviously be watching uh very excited so yes tune into that and even if you are listening to this later go and have a watch of the live stream um which won't be live anymore but go have a watch of it go and see who won go and see who won all the other categories and um, there's some really exciting ones up there as well audiobook non-fiction as well is a category i'm really excited to see who wins there's some fantastic books on there um one that my colleagues worked on um and others that i've listened to and really loved as well so i'm super excited for that as well as the other categories there so yes uh, go and have a watch enjoy and then yeah please come back and stick with us too Okay, thanks guys. Uh, See you later. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye.